Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. I tell them I'm not like the rest of Hi guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I hope you guys are having the best day. You guys are now listening to, that sounds like I'm about to do a radio intro. No, you guys are now listening to me, Kinsey Elizabeth, college graduate. Can you believe that I am finally done with school? I know that I've been in school the same amount pretty much as everyone else. And I don't know what it is, but all of my friends who are older than me can attest to this. They're like, I just feel like you've been in college for seven years. And I don't know if it's because I transferred or maybe because I had a different kind of college experience or really what it was. I finished in four and a half years only because one of my classes that I needed, um, which was a one credit class towards the end of it, that was just how scheduling ended up happening, you know, annoying, whatever, not a big deal, especially because, you know, it wouldn't have made a difference in 2020 at this point. But anyways, with all that being said, as you guys are listening to this, I am a college graduate. I have officially graduated from college. I am done. I am done with school forever. Unless I decide to go back one day, which I don't see myself doing, but crazier things have happened. As of right now, guys, I am done with school forever. And just what a great way to start off my week. You know, it just, I don't know. There's a nice ring to it. College graduate. Not that I'm really someone who thinks that college is like the most important thing or it's like 100% for everyone, but you know, it's an accomplishment. I'm really glad that I went. I'm so grateful for, you know, the opportunity to, you know, have an education and all of that. I'm, I really am so grateful. And I loved the school that I went to. And I honestly had just such a great experience. However, not having to ever log back in and answer a discussion post. I mean, I don't think there's many things that have really sounded better in the year, especially that we're in than that. I am more importantly, not even that I'm done with school. I am done with discussion board post for life, guys. That is absolutely incredible. So anyways, yes, it is me, Kenzie Elizabeth, the same one, but I am now a college graduate, meaning that I no longer have to do discussion post. So it's not really the degree that um, I really care. I mean, I do care. Don't get me wrong. I really do care about this, but um, I'm just mostly excited to never have to, you know, write one of those dumb discussion board posts ever again. In other news, Taylor Swift, Evermore, how are we feeling? I personally, as a huge Taylor Swift fan, 
am feeling great about it. I actually think I like it, dare I say, more than folklore. I know, guys. You also have to keep in mind that these two albums are really just made specifically for me because I love just a cabin feel, you know? Speaking of, I spent the weekend at my lake house with my family and it was so calm, so relaxing. I really felt as though I was God's favorite for the weekend because Evermore came out, it was gloomy, it was raining, and I was at the cabin with my family, or not the cabin, the lake house. And it was just an incredible experience. It was exactly what I needed. I shared in our episode last week, how I was just really not having the best time. And honestly, I just needed some time with my family at the lake house. That was incredible. I'm really, really just feeling so refreshed. We got back from the lake house and Fitz literally slept for 24 hours. I had to wake him up to take him outside and to make him eat, okay? So he really had the time of his life. And if you don't know who Fitz is, Fitz is my golden doodle. You need to follow me on Instagram. He's the best thing to ever happen to really honestly anyone little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we have some gift guides over on my Instagram and my like to know profile. Be sure to go follow. I really pride myself on my gift giving skills. It's one of the things in life that I actually excel in. So I just, I just love doing it. It's my favorite thing ever. I just wanted to give you a little lowdown on the last two episodes of 2020, which is so crazy. So next episode, it's actually Christmas Eve. Is that not insane? Isn't that crazy? And we have none other than Dom or Dominique Roberts, my best friend. You guys love her. You know her, you love her. And we are doing a fun little advice episode. We've already recorded it and we did our book club recap. If you guys want to join the book club, all you have to do is read the book. It's in a holidays. It's all over our Instagrams right now. So many of you guys have been reading it and we recap it towards the end of the episode. It's so fun. You guys are probably on winter break or maybe you're off work or wherever, whatever stage of life you're at, definitely read the book. It's a really good light little like kind of rom-com read. I really enjoyed it. Dom loved it. She really wants it to be a movie. So I would definitely recommend it. And then um, the episode after is actually New Year's Eve. We have a lot of holiday uploads this year. The next one is New Year's Eve. Okay. And we have Gretchen on. I know so many of you guys have been requesting her and we are doing an episode all about what do you do when things don't go your way, going into the new year, things that she's learned, her life, and then, you know, just going into 2021. I think you guys are really going to love both of the episodes. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast um, and join our newsletter, the mailing list. Follow my Instagram, my Twitter. Um, I'm doing Vlogmas on my YouTube channel, so I'm posting every single day until Christmas. So be sure that you guys go check that out. Anyways, with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. I loved recording this episode. It was really, really valuable and very practical. So Heather started in the fashion magazine world and has worked for major publications like Nylon, Elle, and Harper's Bazaar. After producing cover shoots with Jennifer Aniston, Sandra Bullock, and Naomi Campbell, with photographers like Carl, oh my God, like literally the list is insane. Heather branched out on her own to start her social media agency. Heather and her team currently spearhead social content for celebrity talent, such as Ashley Tisdale. But that is not all. Heather also launched With Honors, which is a digital platform where women can come and learn the best from the best in digital media. You can learn from Lauren Everts Bostick, Lindsay Wagner, Trinity, who's also been on the podcast, Savon Ayla, Hannah Brown. Anyways, Heather is a boss. She's so successful and she has so many great tips. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and let's get into it. I am so excited to have you on today. When I got the email, I had already like been keeping up with, with honors and there's just so many things that I 
love and I'm so excited to talk about. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast, by the way, and I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God. Thank you so much. She's also really a really cute outfit. The hoops love. <laughs> it's Veronica Beard, actually. Female designer, you know, you know how we do. We like to support our strong women. Gotta represent. Yeah. Do you want to start off by giving us a little kind of background on you, a little introduction? Yeah. So, so my name's Heather Catania. I'm the co-founder of With Honors. And I also own a social media agency called Social Floor. On the social floor side, I work with a lot of celebrities, um, macro influencers, really purpose-driven women that are in the public eye that use their social media platforms and content to really make a difference and make an impact and change the game. And that my agency has been alive for, I believe we're going into our fourth year. And earlier this year, actually at the end of 2019, we had this idea. We do this kind of team huddle at the end of every year and we're like, okay, you know, what did we love about this year? What did we do? What did we accomplish? Who did we work with that we were just super inspired by? And then what do we want to take into the next year? What do we want to build in the next year? What feels fun for us as a team? All those kind of things. So we kind of sat down at the end of 2019 and we were like, we'd love to create this platform, almost like a masterclass platform for sort of like the best bosses in the game to really tell their stories, give tangible, tactical advice about how they built their empires. You know, it's kind of like, I think if how I built this podcast and create cultivate sort of had a baby, that's sort of what with honors is. And, you know, really talking to influencers and all the kind of women that we know and love and that we follow on social media and let's go behind the scenes with them in their businesses and just learn about how they did it. And so, so we decided as a team to create this platform and, you know, as we were going into 2020, now, obviously this was in December, we had no idea that we were going to go in straight into a pandemic at the top of 2020, but really, you know, we're, we're constantly as an agency, we're always working on like product launches, photo shoots, we're flying all over the country to, you know, do things with different clients and all of our travel just obviously went away. Our social events went away. Our launches went away. Everything just got really quiet and really still. And so as a team, we were like, oh my gosh, this is sort of our opportunity to create this platform with honors that we had really wanted to create. So, you know, while the pandemic has definitely brought challenges for everyone and in the world, you know, we really sort of used it as an opportunity to create something new and fresh in the world and launch it, you know, which we did eight weeks ago. All right, everyone, we are officially in the holiday season right now, my favorite time of the year. And I thought I was feeling, you know, not my best from this year, but boy, since Thanksgiving, I have been even slower and more tired. I cannot imagine going through Christmas and New Year's without having Lauren from the Sorority Nutritionist teach me her simple tricks because I actually feel good going through the holidays. We all know we are home now more than ever and making so many Christmas cookies. I've been baking with my niece, as you guys have seen in Vlogmas, and just drinking a lot of just even sugary just coffee drinks. And because we have literally nowhere to go, we end up just eating pretty much everything and it ends up just making me feel a lot slower, you know? The thought of starting a diet just this time of year during the holiday season alongside just the craziness of 2020 just doesn't sound appealing to me. So that's why I'm excited to tell you more about the membership Lauren recently came out with for her Fit Babe community because it is helping so many women just like you actually lose weight instead of gain like a bajillion pounds this holiday season. So 2021 is a couple weeks away and I know you're probably thinking new year, new me. 
If you are contemplating that new diet that you're going to try in January, please first check out what Lauren has to offer because we all know diets suck and they really honestly don't work. Rather than you losing and gaining, losing and gaining, losing and gaining the same five pounds over and over again in January, Lauren will show you how to lose weight each week and look your best and feel your best without wasting your time. Head to the sororitynutritionist.com slash IOYSM and enter code IOYSM to get started today. I can't believe it's only been eight weeks. I know. Wow. <laughs> no, that it, is so crazy. It feels like six months or a year, but yeah, it's with honors has been live for eight weeks and you know, our community is over 15,000 people already, which is absolutely wild. And we just are so excited. I want to just dive right into with honors. I think it is so genius. It's exactly what was needed. I think exactly what you're saying. It's a cross between like create and cultivate and how I built this. It's just more practical. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful. It's the, all the good things about kind of influencer culture, feeling a little bit more attached or connected to people, but then actually like getting into the nitty gritty and all of these random questions that you quickly stumble across when you try to start anything, but they're answered. And all, it, it was literally, it's so helpful. Another thing that I found with, with honors that you were so good at is newsletter. And I always hear about the power of a newsletter. And it's one of those things that I think people look at and think maybe is outdated or whatever. And I know that that is not the, tr- like, I know that's not the truth. I have a newsletter and I'm only trying to get better at it. I'm, I've joined the club. I need to hear all of your tips and tricks and also just the importance behind a newsletter. Yeah. So I love that you want to talk about a newsletter because it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Everyone leans into social media, which it makes sense. It's where we're all hanging out. It's where we're all like spending our time. But at the same time, we don't own the information from our followers. So let's say Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, let's say it was to just completely go away tomorrow. We wouldn't even know how to access those people other than sort of like, again, doing digging and whatever else. So when you have a newsletter, you actually own the information for your followers and for your fans, and you get to connect and market with to them, you know, in a really intimate way. And so that's why, you know, the, the newsletter too, I think in 2020 during the pandemic, I saw a bit of a resurgence of the newsletter this year. For sure. And it's a way for, you know, obviously you'll, you'll build your following on social media. And I think the diehard super fans are going to come over and follow your newsletter because there's just so much value there. And, you know, for us with honors is an annual subscription. So you subscribe for the year and then you get access to eight mentor classes, like mentor series with eight amazing powerhouse women. And then you get two new series dropping every month. So on our newsletter, we, it's like the first place that we drop, like, you know, which mentors are launching this month, what community events we have. We have a private Facebook group. That's our community. And anyone that enrolls into the program gets access to the Facebook group. We do member trainings. We do social media trainings. We do events with different speakers and you know, influential people and also some of the mentors as well. We have a, like a zoom with Hannah Brown from the Bachelorette in I think a week or so, but you know, there's all these cool things happening and that all goes into our newsletter. It goes into our newsletter too, before it even goes on social. So it's definitely a way to just, you know, create an intimate space and market to your fans and followers. But, you know, um, and again, you own their information. So it's a really powerful, like part of your IP. No, it is so important. It was something that I, I started, I had to start my newsletter at the, this year at some mm-hmm. point. I, everything is a blur in 2020 to me. I couldn't I tell you when, <laughs> so but true. I was thinking the same thing. You go and 
you know, with COVID granted, a lot of people have kind of shifted and pivoted career wise. And that was something I've seen in the influencer space. That's really come back around something that I hadn't, I didn't see two years ago. And now, except for maybe like OG bloggers, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, I so see the importance, but what are some best practices? Like, what do I need to put in my subject? What are some things like, should it be really short? Should it be really long? Like what are the best practices for newsletters? Yeah. So some best practices for newsletters that I personally love and believe in, and I've seen really great conversions with the subject line has to be juicy. You have to have a juicy ass subject line. It's really, really important. And you also want to kind of tease, like the subject line should be a little bit of a cliffhanger, right? So it should be like last month I hit six figures because I did this dot, dot, dot open up or something that like leaves your audience on the edge of their seat to be like, Oh my gosh, you did what? I want to know what happened. I want to know what went down. And so they're going to open the newsletter. So that's the way, you know, but you never want to lie. Like you never want to put something clickbaity in the subject line. If you're going to say something and tease something, you have to deliver. So just make sure you're delivering on that promise. It's really important. Obviously, you know, with every platform you're building trust. So that's really important. So I would say like having a juicy subject line that, that is short, punchy, powerful, and just teases exactly what you're going to see inside will get you an open rate every time. So that's, that's number one. I also believe, I think newsletters are amazing for social proof. Like I love putting like in our newsletters, we put testimonials from our community, like things that are like people are actually saying about our platform. It's an amazing way to let someone else speak on behalf of your company or your content or what you're doing, put the fans at the forefront. And so that's another powerful strategy that we lean into all the time. You know, we live for our community. So as much as we can spotlight them, that's, that's one strategy we do in our newsletter. And then I would say, you know, a lot of people come to me and ask me how to grow your email list. And that's where we love to offer free things in our newsletter. So, you know, for example, we right now are doing an opt-in where you can get the first module of certain mentor, like Lauren Everett's Bostick from the Skinny Confidential. You can get the first module of her mentor series for free. When you opt in to get the module for free, you also get like we have, we call it a pitch pack. So you get a customizable free pitch pack that from with honors it's branded, but it's like a Canva template that you can customize, you know, a media kit, you can, you know, pitch yourself to podcasts and like media platforms and stuff like that. So we're giving that away for free. So I think like, you know, when you, if you want someone to opt into your newsletter, give something away for free, see how you can provide value in exchange for that email address. And then you can, you know, start to nurture that person that's opted in. So I think like those are my sort of like three non-negotiable strategies for when it comes to newsletter. Absolutely genius. Another thing that I saw you post about, which I also thought was just brilliant was a subscription model. I don't know if I read this in a newsletter from you, or I'm not quite sure where I found this from you, but just about how an annual subscription model is so much better than monthly. Can you kind of dive into that? Yeah. So, you know, when we were creating with honors, we were really thinking about how we're going to build this company. You know, what's our monetization strategy? What's our revenue goals? Like all of those kind of things. And so we decided to do an annual subscription versus a monthly subscription because we had just have so much content. And so, you know, I think the difference between our membership structure versus others is that, 
you know, you really get locked into that annual fee because you have access to immediately eight mentor series. So there's, I mean, I think there are 50 videos altogether because within each series, there's like six to eight videos. And so you get access to this library and then you get two new mentor series that are dropping every month, plus access to the Facebook community and like the trainings and the events and, and the networking opportunities with the other women that are, you know, globally in the community. And so we decided because we were like, well, what if someone signs up for a month and then binges everything. And then they're like, Oh, I'm done. You know? So for us, it's really about like this container and, you know, we just have like a no strings attached policy. So if you want to sign up for a year, you can. And if you want to not continue for the next year, that's totally fine too. But that, that was our strategy out of the gate. And so, you know, and also there's like an accountability factor because we don't want someone to come in and just, you know, watch the content and, and not be inspired. We really want, like, we want every woman in our community to like, literally live an epic and bold life. Like we don't want anyone in a boring nine to five job that isn't, you know, obsessed with what they're doing. Like we have one life, like we really need to dial it up and, and also, you know, feel empowered. So part of the membership was really just to keep it for a year so that we can continue empowering the women in the program and just the women in our community. So that was, that was sort of how we did it. I totally see what you're saying about empowering. It's really important to have that because it, gives you time to really build a community. Whereas if someone just drops in for a month, it's, you know, it's trickier. You don't, you can only see them for like a month. If that another thing, just from a member perspective, which this is probably the most annoying thing. One of the most annoying things I'll say, but certain things that if I pay a premium for, like, especially a membership. So if I like, for instance, lived in LA for the past, like five years, I went to hot Pilates every single day. I paid a lot of money for my membership, but it made me go every single day. And so it was great for accountability. Just for me personally, I typically spend money on things that I value. So if I value fitness and I spend a premium on it, then I'm more dedicated. And I have noticed you know, just with COVID, obviously at home workouts, it's just like not as fun for me personally. And I'm still working out, but I'm not as like fired up and excited because I'm not going somewhere. And, you know, I found that to be kind of similar with the, with honors membership. I was actually thinking about this when I first got it. Cause I was like, because I spent money and got the year subscription, I feel almost more committed. It might be some weird like brain game that I have, but I really do feel that way. No, it's so true. And that was, that's the thing. Cause you know, and we wanted to make it affordable. So the, an annual membership is two ninety seven for the year where you could pay in full, or you can do six payments of $44. And so, you know, it kind of, it's affordable for, you know, different demographics and things like that. We wanted to make it accessible and affordable, but also that's the thing because listen, we all have a bad day. We all wake up one day. And I think this is just the entrepreneurial journey. Like one day you wake up, you're on top of the world. The next day you're just like, don't want to get out of bed. Right. One day you're winning. The next day you're losing. There's, there's peaks and there, there are valleys and it's just the contrast of life. And I think, you know, one thing about the community is, you know, my partner and I, we are part, like, we don't even have a social media manager. Like we are posting the content ourselves. We, every single DM we send is from us. You know, we send really personalized messages. Like we're getting to know every single woman inside of the with honors program, which we just love doing. I mean, there's just such incredible, talented, like amazing women inside of there. And so we're really getting to know everybody. And we're constantly saying like, 
what mentor would you like to see? What would you like to know? Do you want to know about money investing? And like, do you want to know social media tips and tricks? Do you want to know more about like launching a product? There's so many different pathways. And I think what's so cool though with honors is that we really spend so much time curating the group of women. Like we have Lindsay Peoples Wagner, who's the editor in chief of Teen Vogue. She's, you know, the youngest editor in chief, you know, at Condé Nast. She is the only black editor in chief in the entire fashion and beauty industry, which is insane. And, you know, her mentor series talks about just her struggle of like climbing the corporate ladder. She's 30 years old and she is at the helm of one of the most important fashion titles at Condé Nast right now, you know? So there's, and then we have Lauren Everts Bostic who talks about, you know, launching a blog that, you know, wellness and beauty driven blog. And now she's built a digital empire. She's launching products. She has a podcast with over 80 million downloads, you know, and she launched her podcast because she had jaw surgery and she couldn't be on camera anymore. So the women that we are talking to are so diverse are so different from one another. And they're just also incredible. And so we wanted to really have that container of accountability in this program because, you know, it is a journey and one day you feel great. The next day you just want to throw in the towel. And so locking someone into that annual membership gives us the ability to keep you showing up and to make sure that, you know, your head's in the game. The highs and lows of like an entrepreneurial journey are very real. Like one day you feel so on top of the world and like you have it all like figured out. And the next day you're like, okay, I want to quit. I want to hear a little bit more of your kind of career path. Start us from like, you know, the earliest job you've ever had and kind of take us through. My career started when I was an intern at Paper Magazine. So I grew up, you know, right outside of New York City. And I, when I was, I think since I was 12 or 13 years old, I always wanted to work in a magazine. And this was, you know, before social media. So it's like a little bit earlier, but I just, that was what I wanted to do. And I was like, I want to work in a magazine. I just had this one track mind. And I remember my high school boyfriend's brother's girlfriend worked at paper. And so I was like, she's the coolest person I've ever seen. She was like this cool, like girl who lived in Soho, New York. And I was just like, I want to do what she does. And so I was like, she works, she's an intern at paper. I'm going to be an intern at paper. So I remember just bombarding the um, internship coordinator at paper. I literally stalked her. I think I did everything like other than just like show up on their doorstep um, and be like, you're not getting rid of me. So I'm here. So I started as an intern at paper and I worked there for two years um, until I was probably about 19 or 20 years old. And I just was like willing to do anything. I was an intern for Mickey Boardman was a fashion director and Drew Elliott, who now is the, I think he's the VP of Mac Cosmetics now. He's just had an incredible, incredible career. But I started out there and, you know, I worked, I wanted to work on photo shoots. I was like, I wanted to be on the cover shoots. I wanted to be, you know, the fashion shoots. So I was working for free and I was working 20, sometimes I was on set 15, 20 hours a day. I was a stylist assistant and I wanted to work on set. And Basically, I remember I was also going to the Art Institute of Chicago. So I was like flying between Chicago and New York. And anytime I was in New York for summers or winters or whatever, I was, I was at paper. And then one day a gift basket got delivered that was addressed to Nylon Magazine to paper's office. And I love Nylon. So I was like, I, I will take this gift basket. I'm going on a lunch break. I will walk it over to Nylon's office. So Nylon's office was around the corner. So I literally walked this gift basket to Nylon and 
I opened the door and someone that I kind of went to high school with was working there and like recognized me. And so she was like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm interning at paper. And she's like, well, we're looking for interns here. Would you like to intern here? And I said, oh my gosh, yes. When can I start? So I basically started interning at Nylon and within three weeks, I worked so hard. I was, I was like the first person in the office, the last person to leave. You know, I worked so hard that the editor in chief, you know, kind of took notice and, you know, kind of came up to me one day and was like, what's your deal? Are you in school? What's happening? And I was hired at Nylon within three weeks of working there. And that was what really started my career. I actually hadn't graduated college yet. I was still in college. I was in, I was a senior in college. I was 20 years old and I had six credits left. And I basically, because I got offered the job at Nylon, I just told my parents that I graduated and took the job at Nylon and then secretly finished my BFA at Parsons in New York, like my last six credits. So I did get my BFA. I did get my diploma, but I finished it. I would like work all day at Nylon, go to Parsons at night and then um, go back to working at Nylon. So that's what I did. And so I started as I was the first bookings editor of Nylon. I produced all the photo shoots. I cast all the models. I really had my hand in that doing cover shoots and then all of the fat, like the bigger fashion celebrity photo shoots. And then I got recruited to Conde Nast and I worked at Jane Magazine. I worked at Elle, at Hearst, and then I got hired at Harper's Bazaar. So I worked at Harper's Bazaar, which was kind of like the pinnacle that was, you know, for me, it was like either Vogue and Harper's and I was kind of interviewing at both. And I took the job at Harper's and this was kind of in 2011, right? Like sort of at the dawn of digital. And, you know, I just started to see digital rising and magazines competing with the pace of digital, you know, in magazine, you work three months ahead. So by the time, you know, magazines got on newsstands, you know, things were changing. And so magazines were really competing with digital. And so I started to get really interested in digital and social media. And while I was at Harper's Bazaar, I was thinking, you know, how do we create content for the magazine and for print? And then how do we do it for social and how do we do it for the website? And what stories are we telling on different platforms and what are the different cadences? And so that was really how I got my start in digital and kind of my entire career trajectory. When did you decide to go like fully into digital? So I moved to the West Coast from New York to LA and I wasn't working at Harper. I decided to, you know, I was like, I'm going to, you know, just freelance. I was freelancing for Italian Vogue and, you know, a bunch of different magazines and, and fashion platforms, like producing, you know, campaign shoots for Urban Outfitters, like different things like that. And I moved to LA and I just, I actually started working back at Nylon, which was, it just had come full circle. And I started to build different digital extensions for them. So I launched their YouTube channel. They were the first magazine that was, you know, had a YouTube channel. And I started building out like influencer collaborations with different brands. So we were working with different, you know, actors and actresses and, and then doing branded collaborations with them, which was really funny because this was kind of in 2012. So it was really early and that was kind of the, like the dawn of the influencer. Instagram had just launched. Instagram was like this weird app that nobody really knew how to use. It had really bad filters. And, you know, it, to me, Instagram really disrupted the magazine industry because, you know, before if you wanted to talk about celebrity culture or fashion, style, and beauty, you had to work at a magazine because it was just the place where all of that news was happening. And then Instagram launched and then 
everyone became their own publisher. Like celebrities were launching their own stories and making their own announcements on Instagram and social. And then, you know, Ame Song from Song of Style, you know, kind of came out like all of those OG bloggers like Ame, Chriselle Lim, you know, I think it was like Cupcakes and Cashmere. It was like those really early bloggers started to gain popularity and an agency called DBA Digital Brand Architects kind of, you know, they started repping bloggers and I started taking notice of what they were doing. And it was just so so early in the space and everything changed. Like I started working on branded content with some of those girls through Nylon and doing branded partnerships with Nylon. And then I just decided in 2015 to just like do my own thing because one of my friends, Tyler Blackburn, who was on Pretty Little Liars at the time, you know, I kept bugging him. I was like, you got to get on social. Like you have to get active on Instagram. You can make a lot of money. You can do these cool brand deals. You can travel, you can do all these things. And I kept bugging him. He's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to like share all the things about my life. A year later, he called me and he's like, you're so right. All the girls on my show are like killing it on social. Can I take you to dinner? And he took me to dinner and I was like giving him some strategies and telling him the things he should do and how he should do it. And he's like, can I just hire you to do this with me and we can like do it together. So, you know, he's one of my best friends and he became my first client. So that's, that's really how my social agency started was because of, because of him. He was my first client. So we just, you know, started making content together. He was crushing it and growing. I think he went from like, you know, 500,000 followers to 7 million in like a couple of years. Pretty Little Liars is like one of the biggest shows. So that's kind of how it all happened. I think too, Shay Mitchell, someone that I think of that has gone from traditional to digital and merged it so well. I think I honestly actually can't really think of someone that I personally follow. So not speaking for everyone that has done it so well. What were some of the strategies that you were using when you were working with Tyler? Like, at the very beginning, like what were you doing at that time? I love that you mentioned Shay because she's one of the best examples of the power of social, you know, because she sort of started on the show. I think like some of the other girls had been acting for, you know, a while and she leaned into social in a way that was so robust. Like she started a YouTube channel like way earlier. And you know, the thing is like when you're an actor and you're an actress on a very popular show, people are like, don't do YouTube. You know, again, like this was, I don't know, five years ago. So it's a little bit different now. You know, she was so early to the game. So early. Like now you see like JLo on YouTube and Jessica Alba and like all these other people, but Shay was really first. Like Shay did it when, when you were like completely advised not to, because I think at that time people were like, are you an influencer? Are you like a YouTuber, a Viner? Or are you like a person that's actually on television or in a movie? And there was this very distinct separation between the two. And now there are, it, it's not like that. I think for Tyler, like some of the things we did was we really figured out like what his content pillars were. And I do, I still do this with every client. This is like one of my strategies. We go in and we figure out, you know, we call it your five silos of interest. It's like, what are your five content pillars? Like what are the five things that you're really obsessed with? Because social media really should be joyful. Like it's become a thorn in everybody's side, but it should be like this cool, great, place to create art and like create amazing content. And so we figured out with Tyler, like what, you know, his five content pillars were, you know, travel was something that he loved, you know, he loved to travel. So I was like, let's take some amazing trips. Like we went to Thailand, we went to like an elephant sanctuary, you know, and we like use these travel destinations to go and create content. We created like, you know, gorgeous content we'd share and his fans would love it because, you know, he would sort of take them on these trips with him. And that was like a big part of this part of his strategy. 
and she did it too. She loved to travel as well. And she did that with her YouTube channel. I think that that's, that was the precursor for her launching her luggage line base, you know, which was like her like real entrepreneurial venture, but like it really stemmed from her social content. I literally have the makeup bag on this desk right now. And I I just used her weekender this weekend. I love that. So going back to what you mentioned about content pillars, this is just something I struggle with and I hear all the time in the influencer space is I don't know what to post where. Do you recommend all of these pillars being across every single like social platform that you have? Or do you think like, oh, I should use like, for example, with my TikTok, I was not on TikTok for the longest time. And then I happened to make an Instagram reel just trying out reels like to see what they were like. And it was of like my favorite places in Dallas. And then I posted that TikTok or I toasted the reel that was originally the video that was made for the reel on TikTok. Yeah. And it got like 500,000 views within a day. <laughs> totally. So I was like, wait, so like on my TikTok, the stuff that does well, I know it does well, but do you recommend like, what do you think? How do you think I should go about that? Yeah. The one thing is, is like, you have to change your social strategy every three months. Like when I see people that are, are like, well, this is what I was doing in 2018. It's like, that doesn't work anymore. You got it. Technology is moving so fast. Also the world is just changing all the time. Like we're in a pandemic. We've had so much happen this year. Like, like to me, TikTok launched at the perfect time. Like TikTok really, obviously it was around for, you know, a year or so, but it was, it really started to thrive when we all went inside and sheltered in place, you know, in March and we just started watching like short form video content all day. And it was kind of like when the world was so heavy, TikTok was this place to escape. It was like fun. It was weird. It was like, just this like hilarious, like place for weirdos to just sort of thrive and shine. And I think that that was what's so interesting about it. So I am a full advocate and believer of TikTok. And again, like maybe TikTok won't be around next year, but like, we don't have to worry about that. We have to kind of focus on the here and now. So I see TikTok growing Instagram like having a very thriving Instagram channel is your goal. Like get on TikTok because TikTok's going to actually like grow you, grow you on Instagram. So that's one thing we've seen across the map with all clients. We also advise all of our clients right now to lean into a video first strategy. So for you, for Instagram, the fact that you're doing reels is amazing. You should be doing reels like two or three times a week. I've started doing that within the past two weeks and I've seen a big increase as far as engagement. Yeah. It's so big because also we are in partnership with Instagram. We get beta, you know, our clients get access to the beta test. So we had beta testing for reels like three weeks before it even launched. And so, you know, we go in and talk to the Instagram team. And so anytime Instagram releases like a new piece of technology, the algorithm favors it. So now that Reels is like the new thing they've launched, they're going to get behind it from an algorithm perspective. So if you do Reels content, like your Reels content, it's going to get more organic reach. It's going to, you know, even if you look at the discovery page, like it's all Reels. So if you're doing that, and not everyone's doing the content. So like if you're doing it, you kind of get, you get to leverage that organic reach and growth. I was in a meeting recently and it was something like, there was a 45% like more organic reach from Instagram reels. And at first people, which I think we can all be like as influencer wide can all be guilty of being like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. Another thing, another thing. Or like 
this is just like wannabe TikTok, whatever. You even look at Instagram stories and how people were annoyed with Instagram stories at first because of Snapchat. And I'm like, I just have to jump on every single thing that comes because that's what they're naturally, that's what they're going to be pushing. You know, that's their new feature. Yeah, exactly. And we listen, we live in a video world. Like I think that was the hesitancy for Instagram stories because we lived in more of a two dimensional, like, you know, photo driven world. And now we don't live in that world anymore. We live in video and we also live in video that isn't overly produced. It's like, turn the camera on yourself, like connect to people. People want to know everything. I mean, they want you to share everything you're using, like all the things that influencers think are like mundane or like what everyone else wants to know because they want to, you know, buy products that like, you're actually using in your home. Like all of those kind of things are really important in your content. So, you know, people like want to live their lives with you. So it's, that's why video is also really important. And and we all need to be leading into video as much as possible. I've definitely noticed that within vlogs, the vlogs that I think are just so boring because I'm just at home all the time, which I mean, has been, you know, every vlog in 2020 pretty much, but are always the ones that people love the most. And then I think about when I am also a consumer. So when I watch vlogs, I personally way prefer someone's vlogs at home than I do travel vlogs just because maybe it's more relatable, more comforting. I'm not even sure. Even like grocery hauls in my vlogs, I think those have to be so boring because I get pretty much the same thing every time. But people are like, no, because that is the one thing I've I've noticed. And I, I really thought this through and this makes sense. But they were like, I may not be able to afford your latest like Sunday Riley serum, but I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. So like, actually, please share that. So this is something you were saying earlier too, is like leaning into your audience and listening to what they want and like what best serves them should be like the number one response. You, I see all the time people like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. It's like, there are people who are telling you what they want. You know, it's like, you can just lean in a little bit more. Exactly. And that's the thing too. And I love that you brought this up because this is just the most important thing. And this is what, honestly, our audience informs every single decision that we make. And when people are like, I don't really know which way to go. I'm like, pull your audience, like throw up a question box, put polls on your Instagram story. If you don't know whether to launch this product or that product or this color or that, like whatever it is, talk to people. Like you have built in market research, you know? And also it's like, I think people really appreciate when you come to them and you make content for them and you serve them, you know, because we all want to be, we all want to feel like we're part of something. We all want to feel like we're part of a discussion and a dialogue. And I think that's what social media, like that is really what has been so explosive about social media. And so when you really invite the audience in and make them feel like you're seeing them, you're hearing them, they're part of your world and they're helping, you know, inform decisions. Like you're just going to win every time. And when we make content, we're always saying, you know, you're not making the content for you. You're making it for them. Like you're making the content for your audience. So I love that you lean into that strategy because it's, it's just so important. No, it's so important. And it's also so helpful because thinking about that as the creator can get really daunting and overwhelming, but it's really nice. Like you said, it's built in like market research at that point. It's really, really helpful. What are some of the best practices you've either seen or used for creating a really engaged, almost cult-like following? Yeah. I mean, someone who I think is so good at this is Lauren Everts Bostic, who we did a whole with honor series. She has eight video modules that are incredible, all about making your audience the hero of your brand. And it's something that she preaches. It's something that she like really 
like lives up to too, because I've seen other influencers like say it and not do it. You know, she really delivers on that, on that promise. And she's just incredible at it. Like she, she shares every single thing, everything she's eating, you know, now obviously she just had a baby. So like, you know, there's like new mother content. There's like, you know, and in with honors, she really talks about how she honed in on that process because, you know, she was a bartender and a Pilates instructor. She started the skinny confidential when she was um, in college, you know, in San Diego. And when she went to bartend at night, she was just asking people like, what do you want to see? She was asking, you know, men at the bar who had wives or like who had girlfriends or mistress, like whatever. And she just constantly asked people what they wanted to see. And she made it like, available in a really affordable and accessible way. She also, something that I think is so genius about her is that she doesn't endorse any product that she actually doesn't love and that she actually hasn't used herself. And so like, she's not willing to accept, you know, money from a brand that she doesn't like authentically align with. And I think that that's also incredible and incredibly important because anything that's on her page, you know, she has like tried and tested and has like given to her husband and her father and whoever else. And I think that that's just an incredible way to look at business, make your audience the hero of your brand. And that's something that's really stuck with me. And it's like a big part of her class and with honors too. I love them. Obviously I'm with Dear Media. I love Michael. Like they're the best people ever. I mean, she's such a great example for literally everything. I have so many just friends from college who don't really keep up with like influencers necessarily, but so many of them love her. Even people that I would be like, I wouldn't think that they would be into this like bubbly, bubblegum pink blonde girl. Cause that's just so not them, but they, there's something about her that they love. And I think she's just so good at that. Savon Ayla, I think is also a really good example. Another one that you have is so good. Savon is literally a content genius. She's such a content genius because also what I think is so genius about her is that she shares everything so consistently that you don't even know because normally with influencers, like they talk about some things and then it's like, they really push their own products, like almost only. And they put like more of an emphasis on their own products. Savan is just like, everything is so integrated, whether it's like a recipe that she's cooking or like something that she's bought for her house or for Capri or, or her own product lines. Like it's all just so consistently executed on. And it's just, it's also so intimate. She just shares everything. She's a content genius. She really does. Yeah. I was actually listening to the Skinny Confidential with Savon the other day. And she was like, I mean, there's literally nothing I don't share. Like, she's like, I don't, she's like, nothing is off limits. I don't, and that doesn't work for everyone, I guess. I'm more of an open book. So I relate to that. But she was just like, there's really nothing I don't share. And I think that makes people, again, it draws you into as a more engaged viewer, listener, follower, whatever that might be. And then you translate that to sales too. When you come out with a product also Savon self Tanner is like literally the best in the game too. So that's another thing. It's like, she doesn't even have to push it. Cause everyone else I talk about the self Tanner, like at least once a week. Cause it's so good. I'm like, you guys have to go buy this. Cause it really is that good. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny you mentioned that because in her with honors class, like she talks about how like we, you know, Paul came on one of the modules and she talks about how like she was so relentless about getting to like arriving at that formula because she went through, I think like 20 or 30 rounds of product formulation, which is like so much because it had to be like perfect. It had to smell the right way. Like, you know, there's so many things about self tanners that it's like, they're too orange or they don't smell good. Or they're like, I don't know, they give you, 
they irritate your skin, whatever it is. So she went through 20 to 30 rounds of product formulations to make it perfect because she's like, I will only endorse something that I am like a hundred percent behind. Yeah. She's so smart. So incredible. I think like, you know, overall these women that are really amazing at what they do. And I think anyone who's really amazing at social media really understands their audience and like really wants to deliver to their audience because there's that trust factor. If Savan's going to put out a bad product that doesn't deliver on its promise, you know, you're not going to have longevity in your career. So I think that that's, you know, I think a lot of these women, and I think for any entrepreneur, it's really important to deliver on that promise and to be, you know, to put out like really good products. No, it's so important. I think it's the long game too. And those are two examples of people who were really smart long game, whether it's Savon really getting the right formula, Lauren, not just taking an ad for six figures because she wants the money. She's like, no, I'm going to build this trust. And this in turn is going to be so much more powerful and valuable, like long-term than maybe a six figure check like next month. It's a totally different way of thinking. And I think, I think a lot of the time when people will like grow into like a quote unquote overnight success, but like actually like they just go viral, you know, they haven't been around, they don't know the business. And then that's where things can get tricky. I actually am really grateful that for a lot of reasons that I was never someone who just went viral. Like I'm really grateful that I had like steady growth because I was able to kind of learn. It didn't like outgrow me to where I would like make, not that I've made all the best decisions, but to where I would like really screw it up. But going back again to like social strategy and community building, how important and more so like, what do you want to see in an Instagram caption? This is something I ask a lot of people because captions are definitely like not my best thing ever, but like, what do you personally want to see in an Instagram caption? In a perfect Instagram caption world, I would say it's either like quick and funny and witty. Like I'm definitely, I'm the girl that likes smart content. Like I love a smart, I I don't like fluff. I'm like, give it to me straight and give it to me good. But I mean, so it either has to be like short, punchy, witty, or I, I also love like a micro blog style caption. So when I mean a micro blog style caption, I mean, like, I like captions that have bullet points, clear takeaways of like, you know, it could be a static photo. And then your caption would be like, here are three things that like got me through this week, this podcast with one, one reason why this product and one reason why, like, I like things like that because I like clear, tangible takeaways. I also don't like content that wastes my time. Like we're not in that world anymore. We're in the world of like, I'm going to follow you if I, if I'm getting value and I'm going to follow you also, if I know like what I'm exchanging my time for the first part of the caption should like tee up, like what someone's going to get and then have bullet points. Like I love a bullet point caption. I don't want to read a giant paragraph. Um, I'm more reluctant to read something like that unless it's something really emotional or I know someone, maybe it's about loss or I don't know, something that's like a rarity that's, that's more intimate, like, and vulnerable. That's fine. But I would say on the norm and on the regular, I love like a bullet point caption. And I see that working like really well, just across the industry. It works really well as like algorithm wise too, because those are the posts that you save, you know? And it's like, those are the posts you send to your friend and they're shared a ton, they're saved. And it's just also that it's like time that you're spending on that post, like that registers to Instagram. So that's also something that's like really important. That's why I'm working on my captions. But I 
first of all, this episode has been so good, but I just want to kind of end on, I know you have to have some like funny stories because you've worked with a lot of big names at a lot of big publications. If you want to share one, two, three, however many you have, I would love to hear them. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so funny because my partner, Julie, and I always say like, we are going to write a show because honestly, I just couldn't make this stuff up. Like the stuff that, I mean, even from working with celebrities and like working with like talent or just like kind of macro input. I mean, we have so many stories. Like I can't, I don't even know where to start. Honestly, there's just too many to even name. I mean, I can't really name names because we're under like a million NDAs, but I would say they're definitely the kind of talent that like call the paparazzi on themselves and like, you know, pitch their own dating announcements or birth announcements, like pitching it to the press. Like they're definitely that kind of client, which is always hilarious and always sort of a circus uh, when working with them. But I would say we worked with someone from the Bachelor franchise who was also a sex coach. That was interesting. I can't name names, but that was an interesting, hilarious time. He actually signed what an email, like, you know, it was during the pandemic, but said like, you know, hope your happy juices are flowing. It was like something like that. We were just like, oh my God, you know, um, that was pretty hilarious. But I mean, they're just, they're so, I mean, they're honestly so many stories. But like this stuff is funny. Also, like calling paparazzi on yourself. I don't think people realize how common that is. You go on Instagram, if you're on your explore page and you somehow get a lot of paparazzi photos, if it's the same like few girls in LA who are like act not like Hailey Bieber size, you know, it's like, I promise you they're calling it on themselves. They're at, if you're on Melrose place every single day getting paparazzi, you know what I mean? Like hundred percent, they call. They And also if you like kind of don't know who somebody is, that's another thing. It's like, well, if you're like, kind of don't know who somebody is and they're getting paparazzi, it's like that that's very questionable. Also, it's like, if somebody is looking amazing in the paparazzi, like that's another tell, like, again, like, unless they're JLo or like, you know, Kendall Jenner or whoever, it's like, you can pretty much decipher. Like nobody just like looks amazing going to Whole Foods. Like that's just not a thing. But yeah, my partner and I always like, we have to write a show. It like would be kind of like, an entourage sex in the city meets like younger with Hillary Duff, like that kind of vibe, because there are just too many hilarious stories. A good Instagram, like story poll series would be, did they call the paparazzi on themselves or not? Yes or no. And you just put up a bunch of different photos. It really is obvious. Like once you know, but before that, if you don't live in LA or New York and wherever, and you're not really in this industry at all, you just assume like, why would someone call the paparazzi? Everyone hates the paparazzi, but no, 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 that is not true. Right. They're also the kind of people that like edit. So like the paparazzi will like take photos of them, send them the photos, give them approval. And then they edit and kind of like Photoshop them and then release those images. So like, that's even a step further. And so it's like, you know, to kind of don't believe everything you see, but yeah, there's just so many. LA is just, it's a very, it's an interesting place. (laughs) So interesting. I say that all the time. I'm like the amount of stories, especially like just living there and that's just your life. It it becomes normal. And now just, I think with COVID having more time and like, I'm just talking to friends, whatever. And then a story comes up. They're like, you like how I'm like, that's just normal though. Like that was just how life was like everything 
it's just, I don't know. The way I describe LA is that it operates almost in extremes. So it's either like extremely good, extremely bad, or like ex- anything that's funny is so much funnier. Anything that's weird that happens to you is so much weirder. It's just entertaining. But thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a great episode. Um, Where can they find you? Yeah, so you can follow us at With Honors. You know, come to our website too. It's www.withhonors.co, C-O, not com. And yeah, so excited to to do this with you. And thanks for having me so much. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you have the best week. Don't forget to subscribe. Check out the vlogs. Now is a perfect time to binge listen to some I Love You So Much podcast episodes. I hope you guys have the best week ever and I will talk to you guys on Christmas Eve.